you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. On today's episode of Locked On Orioles, your only daily Orioles podcast, uh, we are talking some Orioles prospects later in this pod. Uh, Aram Layton, the host of Locked On MLB Prospects here on the Locked On Podcast Network, is going to join us to talk about the Orioles' top three guys. You know, really wanted to get an outside look at uh, what some people think uh, that the Orioles' top three prospects could be down the road. So we're going to talk Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall, as all three should be at double A in 2021 and start knocking on the door to the big leagues with the Orioles. So a good conversation coming up after the break. But first, a little Orioles news and some news uh, from around Major League Baseball. So starting with that uh, news from around baseball, uh, some uh, smaller pieces of news coming through on Monday. Uh, I would say the biggest thing that that could pertain to the Orioles at some point uh, is the Miami Marlins making a couple of moves on Monday. Uh, the Mi- Marlins ended up acquiring the right-handed reliever Adam Simber from Cleveland for cash considerations. Uh, Simber, a submariner who came over to Cleveland uh, in the uh, Brad Hand deal a couple of years ago at the uh, 2018 deadline, uh, came to Cleveland from the Padres. He's been okay in his uh, three seasons, and uh, he will now pitch for the Marlins. But to uh, make room for Simber on the roster, uh, the Marlins have decided to DFA Jose Urania, who had been their ace for a few years, made a few opening day starts for the Marlins uh, since being called up in 2015. Uh, he did have a rough 2020. He made only five starts before missing the rest of the season with injury had a 5-4-0 ERA, 15 strikeouts, 13 walks, and 23 and a third innings in 2020 for Urania. Uh, he is now 29 years old, the right-hander out of the Dominican Republic. He's had some issues with the big leagues, uh, has thrown at Ronald Acuna of the Braves multiple times, uh, but he's had a couple of good seasons in his career. 2017 and 2018, he was pretty good for the Marlins. A 3-8-2 ERA and 28 starts in 2017. A 3.98 ERA in 31 starts in 2018. Then 2019 and 2020 didn't go so well. Uh, he was a definite non-tender candidate, and the Marlins just uh, setting him free uh, with a DFA. So, you know, we talked yesterday, if you want to go back and listen to yesterday's episode, uh, about some of the free agent starting pitchers that the Orioles may target to kind of give some depth uh, to their starting pitchers and have somebody really compete for that number four or five spot. Jose Urania could be somebody who, if he does come cheap enough, uh, the Orioles could target. Uh, so just something uh, to look out for there as he is uh, DFA'd by the Miami Marlins, a guy who has pitched a lot of big league innings. You know, since 2015, he has thrown 597 innings uh, with a career 4.60 ERA in six major league seasons, all with the fish in that time. So something to look for for the Orioles as uh, they have some decisions to make as far as roster comes tomorrow with the uh, non-tender deadline coming up as well. Uh, We know that they will uh, go to arbitration with Trey Mancini and Anthony Santander um, and pay those guys to come back. Uh, But the other names are question marks. Sean Armstrong, 
Pedro Severino, Pat Vileka, and Hanser Alberto. All guys who uh, could be non-tendered by the Orioles. Uh, that's something to look for that we'll talk all about tomorrow when the O's do make their decisions. But today, we wanted to talk about some Orioles prospects. And precisely the top three guys in the Orioles system. Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. At the top of the system, those are the guys that the Orioles are kind of counting on to come up to the big leagues here in the next uh, year or two and really help turn this team around and get back into a winning ball club. So Aram Layton is going to join us. He has been on this podcast before, uh, but he is the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Um, and he did a two-part series covering the Orioles system a couple of weeks back. Uh, you can go find that. Again, that is Locked On MLB Prospects. Get it wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, and on November 16th and 17th, he did a two-part breakdown of the Orioles system and talked a lot about these three guys. Uh, and we brought him on to talk about these guys as well. How good can Adley be? Uh, is D.L. Hall a number one option? And Aram really, really likes Grayson Rodriguez, thinks he can be one of the best starting pitchers in baseball one day. So coming up after the break, Aram Layton, host Locked On MLB Prospects Pod, to talk about the Orioles' top three guys who could be helping out this Orioles team at the big league level maybe sooner than you think. That comes up after the break. All right, so we welcome Aram Layton back to the podcast. He is, of course, the host of Locked On Marlins here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's why he uh, joined us during the season to talk about uh, that Marlins uh, and Orioles series that was uh, pushed back because of COVID-19 and all that happened with those two teams. Uh, but Arm is also the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And he joins us today to talk some O's prospects. And first of all, Arm, uh, thank you so much for joining the pod again. Of course, man. And it's pretty crazy with how crazy that moment was and the Marlins having that outbreak. And now it happens about every week and we're like numb to it at this point. Yeah, I think about how, you know, focused we were on that and how bad we thought it was. Um, and now I sit in Baltimore and I watch the news coming out of the Ravens camp every single day. Um, and the, the Marlins news seems like nothing and seems like so long ago crazy how that changes so that's the di difference between our last two appearances so i'm glad to be back on and uh i'm excited to talk some of those prospects and so you know for people that have been listening to this podcast uh we've been kind of highlighting you know some of the lesser known orioles guys you know we've been talking about some some guys deeper into the orioles top 30 list uh we've even been talking about some guys that are outside the top 30 that you know kind of made some noise in 2019 and have had their names recognized a bit but today we wanted to uh, highlight the top three guys in the Orioles system right now. Now, on MLB.com, they're ranked three of the top four, uh, with Heston Kerstad being the other one. Uh, but Kerstad a little further away from the big leagues as he was a 2020 draft pick. So we wanted to talk about the three guys that I think Orioles fans kind of hanging their hats on uh, as the guys that are really going to come up and help turn this team back into a winner again. So I start with the Orioles' number one prospect. Of course, Adley Rutschman. They took him first overall in the 2019 draft, the switch hitting catcher out of Oregon State. And uh, I know you've put together kind of your own, you know, top prospects in baseball. Just first of all, where do you put Adley? You know, we, we all know he's number one in Baltimore system. Where do you rank him across baseball? Yeah, no, I love that question because – 
when I made that top 10 for this coming year, I wanted it to be, even though some guys hadn't graduated, I wanted it to be focused on guys that have not played a single game at the major league level. And when you weed out, you know, the, the Gavin Luxes and you know, one or two guys there, Adley Rutschman is, is right at number three for me uh, in terms of top prospects for next year, because you have to just combine all of the things that he has going for him. He is so projectable yet still close to major league ready despite not having that many games under his belt he's the type of guy that can just fly through the minor leagues and that's why it's so unfortunate that we didn't have a season this past year because he probably would have made his way up to double a and had success there by the end of the season and and you'd be on a fast track or he'd be on a fast track to be in the major leagues next year uh unfortunately that didn't happen we don't know what kind of development he got at the alternate training site and stuff like that. I did hear that he looked really good, but all around just the, the reason why I have him as a top three prospect in the game is really because you cannot craft a more valuable player in a lab. If you wanted to a catcher, that's athletic, a switch hitter that's good defensively is probably equally good from both sides of the plate His splits would indicate. So a good hit tool, a pretty good athlete given how big he is and, I mean, this guy was a college kicker, and once he stopped kicking and focused on baseball and started spending more time in the fall and then went to the Cape and tinkered with a swing and stuff, that's where he exploded, and you have the plate discipline too. There's really not a hole in his game. Yeah, and, and that's the big thing. You know, he he's such a good hitter, but I think what happens to him just a little bit, and, you know, he supersedes, you know, the the catcher, you know, name tag there that he's going to be a defense first guy because we know he was drafted number one for the bat but he is still a catcher and I think people in general I don't know if this is just old school baseball talk but get worried that you know the the brunt that a catcher takes every day behind the dish uh, affects their offense and you know the Orioles had I think a prospect that they can somewhat compare Adley to uh, you know about a decade ago in Matt Wieters because he was a top five pick, a switch hitting catcher um, who had fantastic college numbers. And Weeders really, I would consider a success for the Orioles. You know, he came up pretty quickly. He was a starting catcher for many years for the O's, went to three playoffs with the Orioles, um, had a little bit of injury issues before moving on, but it felt like a success. And if Adley were to have the same career as Matt Weeders, that would be considered a failure. And I, and I think that's the difference. Do, do you feel like you, you know, even though he is a catcher, have to separate him from, from other catching prospects just because how good of a hitter he is? Yeah. You know, th- that's a great question because it, I think you do. And he is just so unique in the respect that he's a late bloomer, which, which I love. And that's kind of like when we'll get into Grayson Rodriguez, same thing as well. And as I mentioned, the kicking, like he really struggled his freshman year at at Oregon State. And then when he went to the Cape, he kind of accepted, I'm going to struggle here, but I'm going to make my adjustments and struggle through it because it's just my sophomore summer and and, and I'll go from there um, or going into my sophomore summer. And he really started to realize what he needs to do with the plate and those adjustments that he needed to make. And it started to translate. And that's why he had a huge year his sophomore year. And then it just kept going from there. And, you know, Matt Wieters, he put up the college numbers. I think this is a guy that you were kind of hanging your hat on his ability to hit for power. He's a 6'5", 235-pound guy. I don't think he had as much going for him behind the dish. 
where Adley just has it all going. And, and I think the fact that he's just so well-rounded makes it almost impossible to, to compare anybody to him. Because like you said, it's usually you got to give up a little bit of offense for a catcher. But Adley's that unique uh, example that you don't. I look at the Buster Posies and stuff like that, and, and you don't want to see him end up like that where you know his knees are going out and he's not really as athletic as he was. I'm sure that he's going to get some some days off and you can keep him in the lineup and stick him somewhere else and maybe play a little first base or DH. But overall, he's such a good athlete that I don't know if you can worry about that now. And you got to kind of cross that bridge when you get there. If you have a chance to have one of the best catchers in baseball, that's the most valuable thing you can have. I mean, look at JT Real Muto. He could be right there with him if everything works out. And and that's the goal. If the Orioles can get him to be JT. And, and the other thing is, you know, he's taken number one overall. So, you know, you'd love to have a JT Romuto for, for seven years. Uh, but but you can almost look even higher than that as far as expectations, just because, you know, the Orioles and all of Major League Baseball. I mean, this was a consensus pick, it seemed, by the time it was taken. I mean, there was talk for a while. Was Bobby Witt Jr. the number one guy? But it felt like at least for the last month or two leading up to the draft, uh, everybody was pretty much accepted that Adley was the number one player and the Orioles took him. And so uh, the sky's the limit for how good of a, a player he could be. But I want to move on to someone you've uh, already mentioned once already. Um, and I know a guy that you're really high on in the Orioles system. That is the number two prospect in the system, Grayson Rodriguez, right-handed pitcher uh, who the Orioles took out of high school uh, a few years back in the 2018 draft. He is now 21 years old, uh, has been dominating the lower parts of the Orioles minor league. So I want to get your thoughts on him and and kind of just leave it open-ended because, you know, you've talked about this on your podcast that I know you're, you're really high on Gray Rod. Yeah, you know, I am just so impressed by how he continues to develop every time I see him. Uh, I heard some reports and saw some video of him at the alternate training site and just continued to look even better. And I think the biggest thing with Grayson Rodriguez is, again, another late bloomer. When he was in high school in Texas, which is, of course, a, a hotbed for talent, he was not much of a draft prospect until midway through his senior year where he just exploded. And all of a sudden, he's starting to throw you know, mid-90s. But even then, was more of a thrower than a pitcher. Now you look at him. And he fully has a diverse arsenal that he commands really well for a guy that's just going on 21. And that's the thing. He's 6'5", 230. What I see more than anything is tall pitchers that struggle to repeat their mechanics because they just have so much going on with their body. And typically, those are the guys that struggle through the lower levels and then get better as they go on. Grayson Rodriguez kind of skipped that step and he's already kind of had it come all together. The command has continued to improve for him. And now his arsenal is fantastic. I love his curveball. I'd say that's probably his best out pitch, but he's got a cutter slash slider that he can manipulate both ways, which will help him against righties and lefties. That's why I like him a lot as a starter. The changeup is a work in progress. If that continues to get better, then he's got it all. And he's got a fastball now that tops out at 97. The command has continued to just improve every time we see him. I I'm really excited about this guy. And, and you mentioned it, how much he dominated at a ball is just, his stats were ridiculous. He had 2.680 ERA, 94 innings. He punches out 129 
batters. And since then, he has only gotten better with commanding his stuff and with his secondary stuff as he's continued to develop pitches at the alternate training site. I am really excited about this guy, and I think he's going to dominate at the AA level this coming year too. He might have uh, something I talked about with a lot of guys that I've had on the podcast. I had a few different, you know, recent draft picks, a few different minor leaguers, uh, and all the pitchers that I had on had said this: the one silver lining out of the quarantine and not having the season was it was an opportunity to just tinker and be able to work on things that you wouldn't normally work on, right? So if you didn't have a changeup, you're not going to go into a start and say, "Oh, let me try throwing the changeup today." Because you don't want to get shelled. I mean, that's your career. Your numbers matter, and you're trying to make it to the big leagues. But if you're throwing in your backyard, you can throw that that change up ad nauseum until it works for you. And that's what Devin Williams did, and that's what a lot of guys are doing. And it, it gave them an opportunity to just continue to hone on their stuff. And Grayson Rodriguez looks like he did the same thing because reports at the alternate training site where this guy has just continued to keep getting better. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's something I've talked about here on this podcast as well. You know, we're seeing the cutback of, of minor league baseball happen, you know, before our eyes right now. And and I do think, you know, eventually teams are going to cut down even more. And I think these alternate sites could be something that that comes back uh, at some point for, you know, a small group of prospects, you know, maybe guys who are coming off injury or guys who are maybe in flux between, you know, what, what, uh, you know, part of the minor leagues they should be in, or just a place to send guys, you know, if they're struggling, where you can send them to a spot where, you know, you're not in game competition, but you can still face hitters and, and work on stuff. And and I've said it, you know, it happened for the Orioles more so than some other teams, but it felt like players this year in 2020 developed more in the alternate sites in, you know, a shortened part of the season than a lot of guys do in a full season in the minor leagues sometimes. And uh, that does not bode well for minor league baseball, uh, but it, it's something that I feel like you know could stick around. But for Rodriguez, I know you're high on him. He's the Orioles' top pitching prospect. Um, I think you know some people still think that DL Hall could could overtake him at some point. Who we'll talk about next. But do you feel like you know maybe two years down the line, come 2023, Gray Rod is the Orioles' number one? Absolutely, I think that's the safest bet because, like we like I said, he has just continued to raise his floor. His ceiling was always kind of undeniable just because of his sheer stuff, his size, and his effortless delivery uh, to go with the fact that now his command is better and he's gotten better secondary stuff. You're seeing his floor rise now too, and, and I think he's got the floor of a middle-of-the-rotation arm and a ceiling of really being a frontline starter. Uh, even worst-case scenario, with his stuff, he could be a high-leverage reliever. But I think the fact that he's able to command multiple pitches at this point, he's kind of cemented himself as a starter unless something goes wayward with this command. But that would be shocking to me because from the video I've seen, his his mechanics look better than ever. And that's why I'm just so excited about him. But that kind of leads into D.L. Hall because I also would not be surprised, and it was kind of a cop-out answer, if D.L. Hall ends up being the best pitcher in this system just because of his sheer raw ability. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I saw Grayson Rodriguez uh, pitch in 2019 uh, in the South Atlantic League when I was uh, calling games in Hagerstown, and then he was with Delmarva, and, and it was outstanding. I, I have still yet to see Hall uh, pitch live. Of course, he's been, you know, a year ahead of Grayson because he was a 2017 first-round pick. 
Uh, so he was in Frederick last year. But both of these guys seemingly uh, will be atop the double-A buoy rotation uh, if that is an, in, indeed the Orioles' double-A team next year. Uh, they'll be atop a double-A rotation for the Orioles. But for D.L. Hall, you know, he's probably a little closer to the majors just because he's a year older and then was taken a year earlier in the draft. And and he's a lefty. And, and you know, for the Orioles, there has been a good amount of pitching prospects that have come through this system over the last decade or so. And it, it just seems like they have not been able to develop a left-handed pitcher in a long time. And, and D.L. Hall seems to be the guy who can finally break that mold uh, for the Orioles. MLB.com has them at number four right now. They've got uh, Adley at one, Grayrod at two, and Heston Kerstad uh, at number three. And, you know, Hall's got really, really good stuff. I think his stuff was a little more polished coming out of high school uh, when he was drafted. But but kind of where do you see Hall, uh, at least compared to Rodriguez? Because I think these two are going to be kind of a package deal, and they already have been, and they will continue to be coming through the Orioles system. Yeah, absolutely. And with Hall, you mentioned left-handed pitcher with his stuff is just incredibly valuable. And he's got a fastball that can run up to the upper 90s. When you look at somebody as a left-handed pitcher in the major leagues that averages a fastball right around 95 miles an hour, in 2019, the only other guy that did that was Blake Snell. And when you think about Blake Snell, that's a really good comp for D.L. Hall, I think, if things worked out. He's got a plus fastball. He's got a plus curveball. And he's got a better feel for a changeup than most may think. I, I think the issue with him is the command. And I've watched a lot of D.L. Hall because he is he's fascinating to me, right? This is a guy that has ridiculous stuff, has ridiculous strikeout numbers, but the 54 walks in 80 and two-thirds innings is just not going to fly. So I'm looking like, why is this guy walking so many batters? I watched the video, and you look at his mechanics, they're pretty good, but you really got to look you know, in, in depth because when it comes to pitching and hitting, it's one little tweak. And that's all it takes to, to be able to hone in on your stuff. And for Hall, and I talked to some pitching coaches about this too. And for him, it's just a small tweak with his mechanics. His arm tends to lag a little bit behind his body. And when that happens, you're either going to lose it arm side, obviously, because it's trailing, or you're going to tug it back over and you're going you're gonna to tug it uh, away from your arm side and towards a right-handed hitter. And that's why you'll see Hall miss a lot up and away and then tug it the other way too. And that's just because his arm is trailing. He's such a good athlete. that I think sometimes his body just gets going ahead of him. He's got a lot of torque in his lower half, and he flies open a little bit, and that's where the arm trails. That is the only thing holding him back from having better command. I I'm not too worried about you know his ability to, to pitch. It's just – a small mechanical change. And he might've already fixed that again at the alternate training site. I'm sure that coaches were, were working on that with him and trying to refine those mechanics, but the strikeout numbers are ridiculous. The velocity is there. And as a left-handed pitcher, his command doesn't even have to be great. I mean, you look at Blake Snell, he, he walks quite a few dudes, but he's able to make it work because he's so nasty. You just got to be good enough command wise to get away with it because he strikes out enough players and enough batters and he's able to get enough swing and miss that it'll be fine. I mean, he only gave up 53 hits and 80 and two thirds innings in high a. So you're not going to worry about too much hard contact against him. The guy's only given up 10 home runs in his entire minor league career. I'm not worried about it. It's just the command. Can he make those tweaks to his mechanics? And at that point, if he does, 
you can make a case that this guy's going to be better, at least more valuable than Grayson Rodriguez as a left-handed pitcher with high strikeout volume. And that's what the Orioles want to hear. I mean, they're hoping, we're hoping that, you know, between Rodriguez and Hall, that they end up with two number ones. Um, and, and to be a winning team at this point in Major League Baseball, we know it's still a bullpen game. Uh, but if you look at a lot of these teams, you know, if you have interchangeable guys at one and two um, and you feel like you have two aces, you know, you look at the Dodgers. I mean, Kershaw and Bueller are both number ones and that team just won the World Series. Snell and Morton, probably both number ones. Uh, those guys on the Rays, of course, went to the World Series as well. The Orioles hoping at some point they can turn these two guys um, into number ones. But, you know, pretty much not a guarantee, but you would assume that Rutschman, Rodriguez, and Hall uh, will all be at double A. Most likely will still be the Bowie Bay Sox next year. Um, and Aram, that's got to be uh, at least two days out of every five. Uh, a very, very watchable and a very, very interesting double A team uh, that the Orioles are going to field starting in 2021. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I might have to to renew my uh, minor league baseball package to watch some of those games because that team is stacked. And that'll be a ton of fun to watch. From a receiving standpoint, too, it's going to be really useful for, for that team uh, and for the Orioles in the long run to, to have Adley Rutschman receiving and calling pitches for DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. And it should be a really cool transition to the majors, assuming they all have success to have that familiarity, which is huge too. And from what I've heard and from what I've seen, you know, when he was at Oregon state, Adley calls great games and he, he seems to do a really good job with the mental side of the game as well. Uh, and we know how good he is defensively. So it's great for him to be able to learn, you know, the two best pitching prospects in the Orioles system that will hopefully be a, a part of his team when he's in the majors, and, and they're only going to be more and more acclimated. I think it's a great situation for the Orioles there, and also it's it's a really fun team in double-A for Orioles fans. I even will be most definitely tuning in to quite a few of those games. Orioles had a fun team in double-A in 2019. They went to the Eastern League Finals uh, a lot of that team is now on the O's 40-man roster uh, or already in the big leagues. Um, and hopefully that same kind of pattern happens from 2021 um, to 2022 and beyond. But Aram, thank you so much for coming on to talk some uh, Orioles prospects as we wanted to, you know, look at look at the top, the uh, the cream of the crop for the O's and, and make sure, you know, we really know what uh, Baltimore might be getting here in a few years. Uh, but thanks for coming on and making Orioles fans uh, even more excited about the top three guys in that system. Absolutely. Anytime. And, and maybe next time we can talk more about the, uh, the, the lower level guys. Cause there's some, there's some guys I'm excited about in, in the rest of the system too, but thanks for having me on. And it's always a blast to talk some O's prospects. So our thanks again to Aram Layton, the host of locked on MLB prospects pod here on the locked on podcast network uh, for joining us. If you like what you heard from him, you can listen to his podcast. Again, it is Locked On MLB Prospects. You can get it wherever you get your podcast, same place you are listening to this one. Um, if you're interested in more of the overall look at baseball here on the Locked On Podcast Network, you can also listen to the Locked On MLB Podcast with uh, Paul Francis Sullivan as the host. Sully goes through all of the Major League Baseball news every day, and you can listen to that one again, Locked On MLB, uh, wherever you get your podcasts as well. But a good conversation with Aram today, talking about Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. 
Uh, obviously, you know, thinking Adley could be one of the best in the bigs and DL could be great, but but Aram really, really high on Grayson Rodriguez. Um, all of the, you know, little tweaks he's made to his game on the mound, how good he was in Delmarva, and uh, we're just really excited to see him get to Bowie uh, in A next year and see what he can do as he gets closer and closer to the big leagues as the Orioles' top pitching prospect. Uh, but we're going to continue to have Aram on. He knows a lot about all the systems in baseball, including the Orioles. We're going to have him on to talk uh, a little bit more about some of the little lower-level prospects for the Orioles as we uh, go through this offseason. Pretty good conversation with him today. Coming up tomorrow on the pod, again, it is the non-tender deadline for the Orioles tomorrow to decide whether or not uh, the seven players that are arbitration eligible for next year, whether they will go to arbitration with those guys or will non-tender them and basically make them free agents. Uh, So we will be back with you tomorrow to talk about the decisions the Orioles make on those seven guys. So that's coming up tomorrow right here on the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 